gather into our seats and, and uh, we want to dive right into the word of the Lord. I am so thankful to be here with you all today. Thankful you're here. And uh, when we go to the, the Lord in prayer here for the message, I'd like us to also just remember uh, it's time of year where people are getting together, Thanksgiving. Um, so just remember one another. Remember those who've gone through struggle. Uh, remember those that are sick, you know, that's, that's rolling through again, and a variety of things, I'm sure, flu, COVID, all those corona thingies out there, but pray for those, there's a number here, so just remember them. But I'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 15, and we will go ahead and read verse 22, we'll start at 22. It says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out from the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil, and he, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Try telling that to my dog, Winston. <laughs> he never gives up. And she said, Lord, she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for your presence, for your spirit, for, for you being here in our lives. Thank you, O God, that we can come together and we know you and know you in relationship and and feel your touch, and God, that, that we may not see you with our physical eyes, Lord, but we, we close our eyes, and we reach out towards you, and we connect with you. And God, we, we sup with you, we meet with you, we dwell with you, we worship you, O Lord, speak to us today. Heal, O God, reach into our brothers and sisters, reach into our families, reach into our neighbors, God, and, and heal their sicknesses, God. Heal the brokenhearted, Lord, and bring people together in this Thanksgiving time, Jesus, and, and give them encouragement. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, I just want to talk to you about you are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. You know, being alone can be, be hard, and they, you'll see different studies out there, and They'll talk about uh, uh, how being alone is, is as dangerous at times as, as maybe other sicknesses. It'll, uh, sorry, I don't want to scare anybody today, but they'll say, hey, you're going to lose some years of life, and, and, and uh, it's maybe as bad as smoking. Of course, they say sitting's as bad as smoking. You're all sitting today. Um, all right, that's not a very great joke either. Uh, but, uh, um, but being alone really can wear on you, and I'm not talking about just being alone, but being alone. Now, if I'm the only one who raises my hand for this, but I know what it's like sometimes to feel alone. Feel alone. Maybe the rest of you don't relate to that, but I, but I know what that's like. And, um, 
And I remember one time I had, I had gone backpacking. I was in Utah. Um, I had gone up and designing, and, and then I came down from there, and I went over to, through Canyonlands, and I stopped by Bryce Canyon, and I get over to Canyonlands, and, and I backpack in, and the trail, I went down a trail, and then I took a left, and I went to a campsite, and for the few days I was there, there was no other footprints on my trail but mine. I didn't see anybody out there, and it was great. Until one night I'm laying there and I said, I'm done. <laughs> and I was going to stay a few more days and I'm like, nope, we're out of here. It's seven miles to water and rather than get water, I am going to just hike to my car and I'm going to see people. Now I like the outdoors and I like uh, books about the Old West and you would read there about mountain men and wilderness guys and I don't know, maybe that's just me, but I, as a kid I would build some huts and teepees and that, that sort of stuff came in handy when I did get lost in the woods and I did have to make shelter because it was a bit cold and, and all those things I read about in the Boy Scout books as a kid came back and I was like, we better do something about this. But, you know, I really got into that. And I would think about these, these wilderness guys that would travel out, the Jim Bridgers of the world, and they would go out and they'd be by themselves. And you would think, wow, and how was that? Well, first you would read about these guys when they came back into society. They were a little weird, a little strange. When you're not around people for a long time, uh, sometimes you get a little weird. But the other thing I noticed is there's people who they would say that they like to be alone, or someone might say they're even a loner, and, and, and they're out here by themselves, but everybody needs people. Maybe one person seems to need people in less amounts than other people, but people need people. And they do stuff for each other. And so when you see somebody in a struggle, and this is the great Louis L'Amour books, if you ever read those, I know those are from... Days gone by, but if you ever were into westerns, or if you are into westerns, you should check out Louis L'Amour. And you would see that guy riding the back range, and, and then he would stumble upon somebody in need. And then he'd realize, you know what, I better help out. And so the lone gunfighter would come in and he would save the town, you know, and, and everything would be good. But what was it about those stories? Why did authors use those sorts of stories? It's because there's a recognition without you needing to do a scientific study that people need people and people at some spot need, want, purpose. You want to know what you did mattered. It doesn't mean that everything that you do all day long matters, but when you step back in life, you want to know, did it matter? Did it matter? If you're into the movies... And you watch some movies, you'll see some of these with outer space, right? Not very true stories, but what do we get into? Oh, they're going to make it back. There's their ship, uh, uh, I suppose we could talk about the true one of the Apollo, as everybody waited to see, are they going to make it back? Are they going to make it back? Why? Because there's a thing that says, we want to rescue people and restore people to people. They have the made-up ones of the guy that gets left out on Mars or some other place or in a spaceship. And what is the whole point? If we can connect humanity back together. So purpose and aloneness and need. And as we take our journey in, in, in through the Bible, I, I light upon Genesis chapter 6. And in a world 
filled with busyness and life and all the goings on. And sometimes we get caught up in, in what we think is matters. And it will be involving other people and careers and jobs and struggles and all that we're going on. We sometimes get caught up at this level. Okay? Um, does anybody have a worry box? Now, some of you might not have a worry box, and every worry that comes into your life just can have a free-for-all. But I think that we all have a certain level of boundaries on our worry box. So, so you might be stressed out that you don't have eggs to make your meal. But if you discovered that the furnace just went out on the house and it's in the middle of winter, the eggs are a little less important right now if you're going to make pancakes or not. You're like, we can eat cereal. <laughs> I'm not really worried about the eggs right now. Um, you... You might be worried you're going to be late to the event. And if it's just a family get-together. Until you run out of gas on the side of the road. And then you wonder how you're going to get anywhere. And you're not so worried about the event anymore. You're, you're saying, hey, the, a bigger worry came in. We like to do this, Jeff. We like to walk over and you say, oh, man, my toe hurts. And we say, well, let me pinch you on the ear. Let me create a bigger pain for you. And, and the other pain, you won't notice it as much. And, and that's life. You know, when people will be fight, fussing and fighting, and sometimes they'll be fussing and fighting with family, and, and then they'll get a health scare. And you know the fussing and fighting with family, it kind of just falls away. Why? Because we suddenly say, well, I got my priorities right in life. Or, or you're, you're, you're getting on to your children, and you're like, hey, you guys, you didn't get this done. You didn't get, we didn't get that picked. What? Is anybody listening to me? Just let one of them get hurt. Suddenly, you don't really care if the homework got done or not. We'll address that later. Uh, Winston, the dog, he likes to take Alicia's slippers. She goes after him. He goes after her. She's like, give it to me. And he bites back. And, uh, and there's this war going on. And she says, I don't like you. And then he falls off the couch and yelps. And she runs over, Winston, are you okay? Why? Because something came into the worry box that said, let me get a little perspective on what's going on. And, and we start to see what matters. And so we get back here in the time of Noah, and we have people that are living here. In church, we got to get the bigger perspective on what matters in life. Because God looked down. And, and what do we see here in Genesis chapter 6? And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination and the, heart, and the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. People, you have friends and family out there. And they want to matter. And they want to have purpose. And they care about life. And they care about other people. But they have gotten down here and their value system is corrupt. And the way they think you should live isn't the way you should live. It only brings pain and misery. And the lifestyles they promote ultimately will destroy society. And people aren't any happier for it. Who they need is God. And they need to live in His way. And they'll be at peace. And they'll be clean. And they'll be whole. And they'll find out, you know what? Having some boundaries on my life really help out. And doing things God's way and treating people the way he wants them to be treated and having his moral value system really does give life a greater sense of purpose and I'm clean and I'm at peace. But the things they promote, you know what? That's just their truth. 
That's just the way they want to live. You should just accept that. Well, I'm not here to rip you apart. I'm here to give you better hope. And in Noah's day, they had accepted and chose to live a way that God said, that, that's destruction. That can't last. I can't exist with that. And life without God becomes meaningless and hopeless and worthless. So God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that the imagination of, the heart was, of his heart was only evil continuing. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and he grieved him at his heart. But Noah, it says in 6 verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You are not alone. Noah is out there in a world and he's not living just at this level. He's living at a higher level. And he might have felt alone out there. He might have wondered exactly why am I doing this? I feel just a little bit isolated. But if Noah was looking upwards, do you know what he saw? Jeff, he saw God looking down saying, ah. And he found grace in the eyes God looked, he didn't say Noah was a perfect guy. He didn't say Noah had it just perfectly all together. But Noah was willing to listen to the voice of God. And when God gave him instruction, Noah obeyed. God let him know, hey, here's what's going to happen. And not only did Noah obey, but the Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He went out and Sister Nancy, he began to preach righteousness. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to be. I don't know what all was contained in the words he said. I just know he was a preacher of righteousness. And I know that that delves into lifestyle. And that delves into preaching is casting it out there. Preached it. He pushed it. The flood came. And all that was left was Noah and his family. So what would you say was purpose? Noah had purpose that humanity could be restored. And not just to have a human race, but to have a human race that would be connected to God. In relationship with God. Getting back to what that missing void is that we were designed for. Noah believed and what we see so strongly out of him is he obeyed. He obeyed. I'd like you to remember that today. We're going to highlight that a few different times. But Noah obeyed. He believed and he obeyed. So as we take our journey through the Old Testament, we look at another character. And, and I think of loneliness and aloneness. But I come to Abraham. Abraham, or before his name was changed, known as Abram, was in a spot where he heard the voice of God. And God called him into another land. He said, hey, I want you to come out from your family. I want you to come out. I want you to separate yourself. And so he took a journey. Him and his wife, he didn't have any children. He took his nephew Lot and his servants, and that was it. And he took a journey. And as he aged and his time went on and he got older and older and older, um, he began to struggle with purpose. And God came to him. And, I, and I, you know, I like these stories. I like what happened to other people. 
Because God came to him. And you know what Abram said to him, or Abraham said to him? And Abram said, Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And Abram said, Lord, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless? My sister Dana, what Abraham was saying there was, I've lived a long time. I have cattle. I have tents. I have a place here. I, I've been going around this land. What are you going to give me? I don't have a future. When I die, this is it. There, what's the, the point? Where, where is this at? Where is this at? Let me tell you. If you go into the world and you remove God out of it, people will tell you, well, your future is that you need to help out humanity so that when you die, there's somebody to follow you. And, and, and they would like to tell you that you came from some primordial soup and, and there was an electrical spark and proteins worked out. And voila, one day we had people. And now you need to have purpose. And purpose means that you help out the next generation, but never mind, the sun's going to explode and we'll all be dead one day. Well, that doesn't sound very helpful, does it? I would leave here not feeling very joyful if I heard that today, which you just all did, right? But when you put God into the picture, everything changes. Because you now have a higher being. You have God that brings purpose into your life. And when you invest in the future generations, you're not just passing on knowledge and understanding and help to somebody down the road. You're bringing them into a connection with God. We have hope. We know that He's in control. And that is an enormous difference between what the world pushes, which its end leaves you with nothing, and what God brings, which is eternity. And that death is not only not the end for me, it's not the end for them, but we have an eternity to live together with Jesus forever. And what all that's going to be like, I don't know. But it's beyond my imagination. It's beyond what I can comprehend. But I know that there's no death there. I know there's no tears there. I know there's no hurt there. And I know that we will be with Him. And we will have His purpose. His eternal purpose. And so because of that, we're not alone. And so He says, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And I'm going to pass everything on to my servant here. And God came to him and it said, Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And Abram, it says, And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. In the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 20, it, it says, uh, uh, And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You see, Abraham had this encounter, and he had another encounter, and another encounter, until he hit age 99. And he finally had Isaac, the promise. Out of that, we have the nation of Israel, but not just the nation of Israel. We have the church. And through faith, you're, you're seed of Abraham. But what do we have here? It says, and he 
believed in the Lord. We have Noah, who we see an emphasis on obedience when he built the ark. We have Abraham here, that it says he, he, he didn't stagger, stagger not at the promise of God. Not only that, if you read this in the New Living Translation, Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. In this, he brought glory to God. You know what that is? Angie, what that is is when Abraham was this old, he came out because he believed God. But he did things, and he didn't do it all right. And he got some things wrong. In fact, he, uh, he, he told some lies out there. But God didn't give up on him. And when he encountered God again, he believed God before, but he really believed God now. Jeff, God came and told him that he was going to bless him with a multitude of, of children, and he believed God. But God came again and made a pact with him, and he believed God even more. And, and, and then he came, and, and, and he visited him, and he visited Sarah at the tent, and he believed God even more. In fact, his faith grew stronger. You know, Brother Mike, it, it's, it's that he said, you know what? I still haven't seen it yet. But I'm still here, and I'm still walking with God, and I believe Him. And I believe Him. And I believe God. And somebody in this house just needs to go ahead and just say it. I believe God. You know what? It's been a rough ride since age 20. My children would say it's been a rough ride since they've been born. But, uh, uh, you know... It's been a rough ride, and now you're 50 years old, and you're like, or you're 25 years old, and you're like, man, we've been through some ups and downs. But you look back, and you have experience, and you say, I'm still here, I'm still standing, and I believe God. You know why? Because you've discovered every lonely moment, every valley you went through, every mountain that you overcame, that God was still there. He still spoke to you. He didn't toss you out on the doorstep. Those crises that the enemy of your soul and that life would like to whisper and say that's going to destroy you and you don't deserve Him. And why would God ever accept you? And God stood up and said, guess what? You're still here and I'm still here and I know you didn't understand all that over here but I never left you and I never forsook you I believe God I believe God I believe God and Abraham believed God and was counted him for righteous in fact his faith grew stronger stronger another story in the Old Testament as we make our way back towards our text we opened up with is the children of Israel and you can see both in Exodus chapter 1 and in chapter 2, and I always debate on which verses to select here, but chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord is speaking to Moses. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. When the children of Israel, when Jacob and the family went down into Egypt, it was a place of refuge. It was God delivering them from famine. It was God, God bringing them out of their situation. But sometimes, 
The thing that was our blessing can become eventually our bondage. And it's time to move on with God. So some of you look and you thought, oh man, I thought the Lord was in this. I thought he had my life. I thought this was his blessing. What's happening now? God's not walked out on you. It's just time for phase two or phase three or phase four. And these children were in Egypt, and I really think they were probably having a pretty good life. They were in Goshen. They were growing. They were multiplying. And they had uh, sheep, and they, they were doing well. And, and they had animals and plenty, and they were doing well. And oppression came because of the blessing. And the Pharaoh said, this is not good for the rest of us. And he looked at them because God's hand was on their life and he began to oppress. That didn't mean God walked out on them. But you know what it meant? They began to recognize God. I don't know that they were living their life all correctly. I don't know that they had had much, how much they had really had passed on because they had to get a whole lot of teaching when they got out into the, the wilderness. Now I know that was God telling them about this covenant he was forming with them and, and, and putting his law on their hearts and everything. But but they had to learn about God. But there's something significant here. When did God respond to their problem? And, I, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. It tells us that a cry went up. And when they begin to cry out to God, God began to respond and he sent Moses to bring them out. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good land, and a large, and unto a land flowing with milk and honey. You know what's exciting about that? God didn't just say, hey, I'm going to take you out of your problem. He's like, I've got blessings for you now that you're crying out to me that you couldn't even begin to comprehend but when you cry out to God, oh, hear me, when you begin to cry out to Him and you connect with God, there, there's, there's a life out there that you never could have imagined. There was a story I read just recently. It was a lady in, the, in a, a nursing home, and she'd been there like 13 years. Flat on her back most of the time. Couldn't really move. People walked by, thought how sad and sorrowful she was, and that her life was pretty miserable. But one of the people at the nursing home stepped in and started visiting. And as they began to visit with her, they found out how peaceful she was, how wise she was, her understanding. And they began to find out that she had a relationship with God that nobody, when, when they wouldn't take care of her, when she laid in that bed unattended and the things that come with that and the sores and the, the grossness, she had found a place with Jesus, a whispering, a communication. And you would have thought she was, had been gone in her head, but no, she was sane. Why? Because there's a place with God and people will look on the outward and they'll look at you and, and they'll say, they'll say, oh, you're, why are you happy? 
Why are you rejoicing? And you're like, you know what? I've got a Savior that I can talk to, somebody that I cry out to, somebody that I go to, and He takes me to a place that, that's greater than this reality here. And He gives me peace and joy. And you, with all your apparent blessings and everything you're doing, you're miserable. But I'm with Jesus. Hear me, somebody. You've got to get into a place of prayer and experience Jesus and get to know Him because you're not going to get joy simply by getting a another present or a pay raise on your job or another friend you need to find Jesus your loneliness won't simply be restored by having more people around you so they cried out to God they cried out to God one more story I'd like to hit in the Old Testament and that is King David King David is celebrated in Israel. The blessings of God, the, the kingship that was established through him and out of his lineage came Jesus Christ. But we find in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, David is not ascended to the throne. He's got his band of men. They went out to fight. They came back, discovered there was destruction. Their families and goods had all been stolen. And you know what happened when they discovered all that? <laughs> if Jeff here was David, and he just led him into battle, we've been following Jeff, and then we thought, found out that we had just lost the things that mattered to us most, and they're distraught. And some of them are just like, Fuck! and they're mad at David. And they're no longer part of the vision, and they're beside themselves, and they're distraught, and they're upset, and suddenly David is all alone. It doesn't matter that he's surrounded by his men. It doesn't matter that he has life stories behind him. It doesn't matter that anointing oil was poured out over his head. He is alone. And what are you going to do when you are all alone? 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Mm. His God. David encouraged himself. He went and got encouragement in God. He went over, Ma, he went over and he began to find a place with Jesus. Now, he didn't know him as Jesus at that point in time, but he got a place alone with Yahweh. And he began to just talk to him. And he just began to, to connect with him. And he began to encourage himself in the Lord. Oh, you know, that, that's right there. What you begin to recognize is the God that you can't see is greater than the circumstance that you can see. And when you begin to get into his presence, I know that they want to come after me right now. And I don't know what to do. But God, I need you. I hold on to you. The one who anointed me. The one who called me out. The one that gave me all these blessings. You're still here. He strengthened himself in the Lord. So what do we see here? Noah obeyed. He believed and obeyed. Abraham, he was living a life of obedience. But we see that he kept his faith in God. He kept his faith in God. Brother Keith, he continued. He had faith. We have obedience. We have continuing faith. Obedient faith and continuing faith. 
And then we've seen with the children of Israel, when they were a place that seemed all alone, what did they do? They cried out. Sister Mia, they cried out to God. Their cry came up and God heard them. And then we see that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And so when you face these circumstances and you're feeling all isolated out there and you're feeling all alone and, and you wonder where's purpose and all that, the very first place you need to begin is with God. You need to begin with God. You need to begin by obeying, obeying Him. That doesn't ask you to make sense of it. Stop trying. Faith isn't something that makes logical sense. Mm, I just really feel like it. Stop trying to make sense of God. Let, let Him teach you about Himself. Let Him reveal Himself to you. But will you not obey Him? Will you not say, you know what? God, you're calling on me, and I'm just going to respond. I'm going to put my trust in you. What do I have to lose anyways? Because the way I was going, things weren't working out very well. Faith in God. Some of you want to walk out. Continue. Hear me. Continue. Let your faith go up. Say, I'm still here. And Sister Dana, take another step up. And, and you hear another message and you say, you know, I'm not through this yet. My healing hasn't come yet. I don't even know what God's going to do with all of it. But I'm still coming back to Him. Because even if I don't get my healing, I still have God. I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. Courage. Get in a place with Jesus. You cannot underestimate worship. When you get where Jesus is at and you begin to talk to him, and I'm not saying that you, you maybe you mistake worship. Maybe you think you're coming up here and you're like, I'm like this, and then I need to come up here and go, Hallelujah. Whoa, I feel so great. You know what? Why do we ask you to take a walk up here? Why do, why do we invite you to? It's not because you can't pray back there. No, not at all. It's because sometimes when you're making your mind up to do something, you're like, what can I do? And you begin to do something in the physical. You stand up. You raise your hands. You say, I'm going to do this. And I'm taking a walk and in your mind through your situation or whatever. And, of course, Jesus is back there as well as up here. He's not limited by time or space. But you're taking a walk towards him. You're putting action to it. It's not about me to go, we preached today and people walked up front. No, no, no. It's, it's about you connecting with God and, and go, approaching him and, and worship. What is that? That's frankly, it starts with saying, I'm in a bad way right now. My, it's just going and saying, <laughs> it's been tough. Life has been tough. Uh, Sal, it's, it's just putting it out there. I'm in a bad way. And you know what? I've got to get some things out of my... I, I, I can't let the clutter of life rain in around me. I've got to connect with you, oh God. I've got to connect with you. So let's circle this back around to Matthew chapter 15. Because we have a lady here, and this lady is not of Israel. She's not of the children. She's, 
she would be an outsider. The verse we didn't read is that, verse 21, it says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Where did he go? He went into Canaan. Why did Jesus go into Canaan? What, Gabe, why, why, why did he go into Canaan? What, why did he go there? It, it's to meet her. And sometimes it doesn't quite look like in your mind. Did Jesus really come to meet me when, the, when they were in the boat and Jesus come walking by on the water? Why did he walk on the water right beside their boat? Why did he make it so he could see? Because they were supposed to see him. You know, these questions really aren't hard questions. But when we get into real life, well, Jesus doesn't care about me. I, I happened to be at church that day, and he showed up for everybody else. That's, that's of course, why, that's why Jesus was there. He wasn't there for me. Uh -uh. No, he was there for you. And when you felt that touch in your home, and when somebody connected with you, when you had a thought go across your mind, God put that there. He's reaching out to you. He's wanting to connect to you. He's wanting to put to bed some lies. He's, he's here to encourage you, not to discourage you. And so he came into that land. and he, The disciples had to be, why are we going here? And this passage in Matthew doesn't tell us any other thing except that he made his way into the coast and there was a lady there of Canaan that came out to see him. Do you know what she said? I don't really care what people tell me. I have a cry. And I know that he has the answer. And she began to cry. What did she do? She, she didn't care what anybody else would think. She began to cry out. She didn't care what Jesus said to her. Or would have said to her what he said to the other disciples. Why don't put her away? Jesus, if it was really true he wasn't come for her, he would have just said, go away. I'm not here for you. Instead, he's just almost like he's showing everybody else. Let's get a lesson out of this. Let's see how she responds, even when she doesn't hear from me. And she began to cry. She approached him. She was in desperation. She was willing to push out everything in her life that said, God, it doesn't care about you. You don't matter. You're all alone. And she began to reach out to him. And her cry came up. And when Jesus said, but he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him. Sister Nancy, she, she's right here. She starts out right here. The conversation's going on up here. I don't even know that Sister Nancy, she even heard the conversation that said you sent to the lost sheep of Israel. She's like, oh, well, he's not paying attention to me. And she got closer. And then he's not paying attention. And she began to let her worship go up. And what was her worship? Lord, help me. That was her worship. Lord, Help me. And then he said, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. What was her worship? Truth, Lord. Oh, I know that you're not supposed to give it to the dogs. But I'm not going any place here. Do you know what she did right there? She's encouraging herself in the Lord. She didn't look for somebody else to give her a description of God. She didn't go some other place to have somebody else to tell her, be encouraged. She's right there and everything that, that voices that would come at her and, and the voice of God even in that moment that challenged her, she was like, truth Lord, I know who I am. I know my identity, but I also know my situation and I know what you've got. Oh, let's go ahead and give him a hand clap.
I know I've told you this example before. But when the kids don't have money and they want something, especially if they're at the store and they have $20 and it's $30, they don't really know if I have $30 or not. They're certain I have $30. And I may not have $30. And they're like, yeah, but you got that card. Well, that's my bank card, and that stuff's reserved for other. Please, Dad, this money was not for you. It wasn't for you. I'm not giving it to you. You didn't earn this money. It's not yours. But I really want it, Dad. And they don't take no for an answer. And I, and I like that. I do. Because I want them to know, I want them to know obedience. I want them to know hard work. But I also want them to know if they can see just a little bit in this life what it's like to go to God and to say, you know what? Maybe today I have to live with no. Maybe you explain it to me and then we move on. But I'm not leaving your side, Dad. I'm right here beside you. And I know that you have the big bank account. At least we think it's big. With Jesus, it is big. <laughs> okay? With Jesus, it is big. One day they're going to see I'm Oz or something. But with him, there's no fooling he is the real deal. And he has what you need. And so I don't care what life would tell you or, or what would unfold. I have my situation. And you have the answer. And so you know what I'm going to do? I might be depressed, but I'm going to cry out. Do you know what I'm going to do? I might not see the end out of this, but my cries are going to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to encourage myself in him. I'm going to encourage myself in him. She said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. You are not alone. In a world that would leave you in a crowd all alone. You can be all by yourself, and you have Jesus. You're not alone. You're not alone. You know, we journeyed through some stories here in the Old Testament. We probably could have done a better job just reading Hebrews chapter 11 and the heroes of faith, of which we'd have found some of these, these people in there. But as the heroes of faith unfold, we... We get over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with so, gr so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset. What did Noah do? He obeyed. Mr. he didn't stay living with this world, he laid it aside. He said, it's time to build a boat. What did, Noah, or what did Abraham do? He came out. He obeyed. We've got to lay aside the weights and the sins. And that fits under obedience too. It says, okay, God, what does life really need to look like? We've got to remove some stuff that's just weights. And we've got some things that we just can't be doing. And we've got some things from our past that attach themselves to us. And we can't seem to get them off. Let's shake them off. Lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset, and let us run with patience. 
What do you got, Abraham? Continuing faith. What are you going to do there, David? I'm going back to the Lord Jesus. I'm going back to God. What are you going to do? And run with patience the race that is set before us. Oh, what did David do when he encouraged himself in the Lord? What we're supposed to do. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what we have? We have an high priest. We have an high priest who has moved by our cry and by our, our hurt. We have a God who said, you know what? In order to save them, I've got to become one of them. And he was tested in every way like as we are. So even though he didn't sin, and we needed him not to sin, yet without sin, he still knows what you go through. And so we're told in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, to go boldly before the throne of grace. I want somebody to hear me today. I don't have every answer for every detail of your life, but he does. I don't have an explanation for every situation, but he does. But I am asking you today to grab a hold of faith, to step out, into obedience, to step out into obedience and to reach out to him, to let a cry go up to our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm asking somebody to be willing to go boldly before the throne of grace, that you might have help. You will have help. Why? Because he knows what it's... You don't have a God who's untouched by all of this. But he knows exactly what it's like to go through struggle, through trial, through testing. He knows exactly what it's like to suffer. He knows the suffering of growing up. He knows the suffering of learning. He knows the suffering of death. He knows the suffering of people rejecting. He knows what it's like to have to just get up and live every day. He knows every suffering. And then he experienced the suffering of the cross. He was tested in every way, like as we are. And yeah, I know you live in 2023, and he didn't have computers and iPhones, but he still knows what the struggle's like. Just because it has a new coat doesn't mean at its heart that he doesn't understand. And he cares. And not only is he your God that has all your answers, but he's fighting for he fought for you, and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Could we go ahead and stand to our feet? Noah believed and obeyed. Abraham continued and grew in faith and didn't walk out on obeying, but he continued. The children of Israel showed us that we need to cry out to God. And David showed us that we should encourage ourselves in the Lord. We see so much of this on display when the lady had Jesus just passing by. And she said, I'm not going to let this go. This is my opportunity. Because there's hope out there. Brother Keith, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Hear me. 
from the back to the front, from the left to the right, to the right to the left. You're not alone. I don't care what you feel like in your moments. I do care, by the way. But Jesus knows. So if we could close our eyes, tip your face up towards heaven, and we're going to be like that woman. You don't need all that worry box anymore because there's one thing that matters, and that's Jesus. It doesn't really matter about the, the, the downers that tell you, why, why, why doesn't she go away? I need Jesus. Oh, oh, I, I'm not getting the answer, and, and I feel like even God's ignoring me. That doesn't matter. Here's where I'm at. Here's my worship. Even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table that fall from the master's table. The ones that accidentally get knocked off. Oh God, I'm here to meet with you. You're my hope. You're everything that I need. You're my joy that I lost. You're, oh Jesus, I need you right now. Oh, let's let some worship go up. Today somebody needs to, to go ahead and not care about what the voices say and go boldly to the throne of grace. What do you have to lose? You're not alone, hear me. Go boldly. Go boldly. Go boldly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It may seem a little odd in the title. You're not alone. Well, where is he going through this? You know, we, just because you face depression doesn't mean you were sinning. Just because you feel lonely doesn't mean that you're alone. But those are natural feelings. But what are we going to do? Because you're not alone, and I want to put that to bed. So are you going to continue to live for Jesus? Are you going to seek after obedience? Are you going to grow in that faith? Are you going to cry out? Are you going to restore to a place of worship? I encourage you to do that today. I encourage you to do it in your week. I encourage you to bring him thanksgiving. I encourage you to come to this front today in this sec second half. And when I say this front, I don't just mean physically. Wherever you're sitting at, approach the throne of grace with the reality of how you feel, where you're at, and where you've come from that you may find help in the time of need. God bless you. We'll see you back here in 10 minutes.